the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, seeing God in His awesome beauty and majesty and holiness leads us to the recognition of spiritual poverty, and it leads us to repentance. It's not that we have to make ourselves poor in spirit. We already are poor in spirit. But that we recognize that we are poor in spirit and that we have nothing with which to negotiate with God. We come and we can only come to God as spiritual beggars. And as he mentioned just a moment ago, we can only be spiritual beggars once we realize it. And the best way to do so is to understand who God really is. So let's do that today, shall we? We'll pick up where we left off yesterday here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, walking through a few thoughts from God to Job. Here's Pastor Leighton as we take a look at the behemoth from God's eyes on Study Verse by Verse. It says, Look at the behemoth which I made along with you, which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in the muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar. His tail is like a tree. The sinews of his thighs are close-knit. His bones are, are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, and yet his maker can approach him with his sword. The hills bring him their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plant he lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal him in their shadow. The poplars by the streams surround him. When the river rages, he is not alarmed. Even if the river is just category five, he's not afraid. Why? Because he is so strong. He's so powerful. And then God says, Can anyone capture him by the eye or trap him and pierce his nose? Can you take this... I'll call it a brontosaurus and make it a pet. And and then God describes another creature, um, a fish. Can you pull in the Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? In other words, please don't hurt me. I'll do whatever you want to do. Can you make a pet of him? Job, can you do this? Who is able to stand against me? Verse 10 says, listen, if I created these creatures and I can make them pets and you can't control them, how are you expecting to control me? Who then is able to stand against me? And listen to this question. Who has claim against me that I must pay? This God is asking in verse 11, hey, do I owe anybody anything? And then he answers that question. Everything under heaven belongs to me. I can do with it as I wish. But I'm not finished yet. And he goes on. I I will not fail to speak of his limbs, the strength of his graceful form. Who could strip off his outer coat? Who would approach him with a bridle? Are you going to try to to ride this thing? Uh, Who dares to open the, the doors of his mouth, ringed about with fearsome teeth? 
His back has rows of shields tightly sealed together, each so close to the next that no air can pass between. They're joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. His snorting, listen to this, his snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of the dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils. That sounds like a dragon. As from a boiling pot over a fire of reeds, his breath sets coals ablaze. And flames dart from his mouth. Strength resides in his neck. Dismay goes before him. The folds of his flesh are tightly joined. They're firm and immovable. His chest is hard as a rock, hard as a lower millstone. When he rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before his thrashing. The sword that reaches him has no effect. Just glances off. Nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron he treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Bronze, one of the strongest metals at that time. Have you ever touched rotten wood? Put it, hands on it, it just crumbles. The arrows do not make him flee. Slingstones are like chaff to him. The club to him is like a piece of straw. He laughs at the rattling of the lance. His undersides are jagged potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like threshing sledge. He makes the depths churn like a boiling quadrant. This animal also swims. And he stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him he leaves a glistening wake. One would think that the deep had white hair. Yeah, it sort of describes the foam that's behind the propellers of a ship. A glistening wake. Nothing on earth is his equal, a creature without fear. And then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do all things, and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. Now, I want to come back to what he says in the next couple of verses, but I, I, I want to digress for just a moment because I, I, want to under, I want us to understand something here. God was describing himself using uh, the power of a creature with which Job was familiar. Now, today, these creatures are nearly, if not already, extinct. And today, with mankind's weapons and arsenals and so forth, the, their strength would not intimidate mankind as much as they did in the time of Job. How then can we understand this better? You know, these grand creatures that God uses in illustration for Job are not the limit that describe in any fashion the power of God. We are more familiar with other descriptions. Uh, For instance, you're all familiar with the hydrogen bomb. Not the little atomic bomb. We're talking about the hydrogen bomb. We're all familiar with the power of the hydrogen bomb. Well, the scripture says that all things were created by him. That means God formed the sun that lights our days and heats our earth. And that sun produces the same amount of power as a hundred billion hydrogen bombs every second. There's one second, there's a hundred billion hydrogen bombs. In the next second, there's 100 billion hydrogen bombs. And and our sun is not even large in the spectrum of the billions of stars that God has created and flung across the cosmos. The point is, God is awesome. God is, is great and greatly to be praised. The psalmist writes, When I consider your heavens... And the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? 
God, you are awesome. Now, listen to this as Job receives these truths. After hearing God describe his power, Job said, listen to this. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know what he's saying? He said, you know, God, I really didn't know you. I thought I knew you. I had heard about you. I, I did not know you. But now that I have seen you, now that I have experienced you, I despise myself. Now, despise means to count as worthless. Yeah, before God and all of his strength and power and majesty and might and everything, who are we? I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And you know, that repentance is the theme of the next verse that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 4 of chapter 5. He says, Blessed are they that mourn over sin, for they shall be comforted. You see, seeing God in His awesome beauty and majesty and holiness leads us to the recognition of spiritual poverty, and it leads us to repentance. It's not that we have to make ourselves poor in spirit. We already are poor in spirit. But that we recognize that we are poor in spirit and that we have nothing with which to negotiate with God. We are spiritual beggars. We come, and we can only come, to God as spiritual beggars. Isaiah 66 records these words of the Lord. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you're going to build for me? And what's God saying? You're going to build me a house? What do you think you can do for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things so that they came into being, declares the Lord? This is the one I esteem. Now listen to this. This is the one I value. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. James said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Peter writes, God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. Recognize your spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Humility is the first requirement. That's why Jesus mentions it first, because it is fundamental. There is no place in the kingdom of God, for pride. It means taking Christ on his terms, not trying to negotiate a better deal. It means thanking God for his grace and mercy. It means not complaining at our situation, like Job did. It means giving up our own kingdom. Because it's only in giving up our own kingdom that we can receive the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so clear. And Lord, we are so desperate. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have provided for us a way of salvation through Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has revealed this salvation to us. We thank you for paying the wages of our sin on Calvary's cross. Lord, we are poor in spirit, but we are great in riches because of what you have given to us. May it be that we go forth from this place this day and bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, that will wrap up our look at Matthew chapter 5 and what it means to be poor in spirit. Now, next week, we'll go on to take a look at powerful and effective prayer in unity, not conformity. A marvelous week ahead. We trust you'll join us. In the meantime, be found in the Lord's house this Lord's Day, worshiping our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Information about study verse-by-verse and Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno can be found at our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great weekend. Until Monday, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.